Thanks for listening to the How The Fuck podcast. For transcripts, detailed analysis, step-by-step explanations, and to get your questions and queries answered, please sign up to the premium subscription at thefuck.com. That's T-H-F-X-C-K dot Or simply search How The Fuck podcast in Google. This is a paid advertisement from our sponsors. UseUp is a performance-driven SEO agency that helps ambitious brands get high-authority backlinks and make SEO their customer growth engine. I've personally built a high-scale SEO content strategy, and if I could go back, the one thing I wish I did was fuel that traffic with backlinks. We grew so much slower because we thought we could win on the quality of our content alone. And frankly, even though it was 10 times better than our competitors, a lot of that content didn't rank. It was only when we started proactively claiming backlinks that traffic went from 10% a month growth to 20% a month jumps. Almost all the crazy SEO growth stories on this podcast were ran alongside ambitious PR campaigns and professional backlink building, which helped fuel authority and actually underline their traffic growth. It's all about authority and perception. Those things take time to build organically without a backlink partner you can trust. UseUp can be that partner. I'm also so proud to welcome Workello as a brand new sponsor to the podcast. Uh, One of the things that we hear again and again on this podcast is that hiring great writers at scale is mission critical to getting search results fast. One of the only ways to find quality writers really is to continuously advertise, vet, test, and fill the top of your funnel with new candidates. And I can honestly say for me, this has been the most frustrating and time-consuming part of scaling content but Workello has made that easy. They automate the entire hiring funnel, specifically for finding writers, editors, and content managers, any type of role really that requires a lot of writing. And basically it's like a CRM for hiring writers. You can evaluate hundreds of candidates to just simply pick the top 1% in like 30 minutes. All that painful kind of vetting and testing and rejection, emailing, et cetera, is automated. A lot of top brands like Copy AI are using Workello at the moment. And if you want to test them out yourself with your team, they have a free trial at workello.com and you'll also get 10% off when you use my referral link, which I'll place in the show notes below. This week on the podcast, I welcome Adam Smith, founder of Niche Website Builders, onto the show. Adam's built hundreds of niche websites over the past years and is one of the people I trust most when it comes to the question of building a niche site as an investment that grows traffic fast and can be sold on quickly. Adam and I dug into his processes and strategies in a three-part series. This episode is part one, where we focus on Adam's aged domain strategy. In a nutshell, an aged domain is typically an abandoned website from a business that once existed, and that website has accrued topic and backlink authority over its time. Savvy niche site builders, or really anyone with an SEO strategy, can snap them up and use their authority to accelerate their own traffic growth. Buying an aged domain is a shortcut to having a very organic looking backlink profile, which you can either build Build a brand new site on top of directly or redirect those links into another site. But you need to tread carefully. Domains come with a history and those histories can be more nefarious than they look on the surface. In this episode, we learn how to evaluate an aged domain and how to leverage them to your advantage. We'll cover what is an aged domain, evaluation criteria, making sure you don't pay for a flawed domain, and how to properly take advantage of an aged domain and the right way to redirect one into your own site. Okay, and before we start the episode, I have one big favor to ask you. Please leave a review. Just hit like five stars, obviously, if you want to. Wherever you are, that's all it takes. It really helps grow the show and build some credibility to the show. So I'd really appreciate that wherever you are listening. And two, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Spotify has just released the subscriber figures. So I get to see it every time someone hits subscribe. So new metric unlocked. So please hit that button. Um, And as always, I hope you enjoy the episode. (laughs) 
Hi, Adam. Welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you on here. I've been following your LinkedIn for a while and it's, I just see some crazy, crazy case studies. Yeah, I can see you're into this as much as me. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Ben. Yeah, massive. I love this. Very passionate about building sites, growing sites, flipping sites, just anything to do with digital assets, essentially. It's my world. I love talking <laughs> about it and I'm doing it. I still love getting my hands dirty. So yeah, it's a pleasure to be on with you. Cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on. I quite liked your posts. What was it? You posted something about, I think it was like a test. It was like, hey, doesn't we found an error with this domain that we were about to buy. Like, can anyone else guess what it is? I think that's like such a great way to like engage the community. Like you get all the like SEO nerds in there trying to figure out what it is. I had no idea, but like looking at other people was it's ways of working things out is like quite interesting. I really like that. Yeah. And I was surprised how quick some of the people figured it out because some of them were really sneaky, some of the issues. And it took me a while to even see them. And then some people come and comment in like two minutes later, I found them. What's going on? (laughs) So we're going to talk about buying age domains and how people can use that to help boost their websites basically and use that strategy. Would you mind telling us what is an age domain? Sure. Then what are the benefits? Like, what is this? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's a world that people might have heard of, but probably never really delved into. Because I don't see a ton of people talking about it in depth. But it's basic form. An age domain essentially is a domain, obviously, that was typically used by a business in the past. And this could be a traditional business. It could be a brick and mortar business that had a, a website that went along with the business. It could have been an e-commerce store. It could have just been a blog type business. But essentially... It was a business for a period of time. And then for whatever reason, they decided to close the business or they decided not to renew the domain name. And this happens for all kinds of reasons. We've seen lots and lots of businesses close down over the last couple of years with COVID. And we can actually see that that's the reason why lots of these domains have expired. Because if you go through way back to have a look at what the website used to look like, lots of them actually put up notices on the homepage to say, hey, we're closing down the business because of COVID. You can figure out the story of why the domain has actually come up for sale. But essentially, what we look for when we look for an age domain is a business that built up a lot of trust and authority and essentially acquired a really strong backlink profile during that time when they were alive. And they do that through lots of different ways. However, some of these age domains, they, they might have been a, an online business from early 2000. So they've been a business for 20 years. And during that time, they, they would have picked up links from all kinds of tier one news publications and niche relevant sites. And then they decide not to renew the domain. Usually it goes through like a, a process and I won't bore you with the process, but it typically will end up at an auction site. And the biggest one is GoDaddy auction. And then SEOs will bid on it for one of two reasons. They'll either look at the domain name and say that's really brandable and they'll buy and they'll value it based on the brand, brandability of the domain name. Or what we buy are domain names based on the SEO value. So we'll evaluate the domain based on the backlink profile, based on the history with Google, based on what niche it was in, based on how much traffic it used to get. And that's the way we'll evaluate our domains and then we'll buy it. And essentially what you've got then is a domain that's got history with Google, has got trust and power with Google and has a backlink profile that typically you would struggle to recreate because you can't buy some of the links. Or if you if you could, it would take you a long time and it would be very expensive. Mm-hmm. So you have like these abandoned websites that have just over the time built like a very organic looking backlink profile from, if, it's, if they're a big one, from great sites or maybe everyone sometimes gets one of those. Yeah. Is there like an age? If it's been, a, let's say no one's touched it for like three years, but it comes up for sale. Do you not want that one? Yeah. yeah. So there's there's definitely different levels of this and there's different things that could have happened. So there's domains where the website has just not been touched for years. 
and that's fine. There's domains where the website owner has continuously changed the design of the site and updated the site. And again, that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, there's domains which have been redirected into another business at some point. The owner might have rebranded or they might have sold the business to another business and that domain gets redirected into another business. That is also fine. What's not fine is if it was a, say, for example, it was a zoo and they got all these links about animals and then someone else has acquired it and turned it into a, a website about cars for a period of time and then it expires like we wouldn't want that because it's changed it's fundamentally changed what it's about at some point okay so if it's about animals and then it gets redirected into a car website you're saying yeah. so then so google relearns that those redirects are now it's about cars forget about the content that was on the animal page it's you don't want that Okay. So can you, how do you tell? Is it through looking at Wayback Machine to tell when it, at some point that it was redirected? Like, how do you figure out that it was redirected? Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, the step-by-step -step process for evaluating a domain, the, the first part almost always starts with Wayback. And this is probably one of the most time-consuming bits. You mentioned the uh, putting up some posts about finding sneaky issues with domains. Most of it is found in Wayback. And for people that are listening that might not know what Wayback is, it's essentially a website. It's called archive.org. You put a, a URL in and you can go back and see, you take snapshots of, of the web of websites over a number of years. So you put it into Wayback and then essentially you would open up every single year, at least one instance of every year uh, to see what the website looked like. And then when you go through that, you want to make sure that it's essentially stayed about the same topic. Ideally, it's had the same owner. So you want to, you know, if it's got a, a physical address on there and a, a telephone number that it stayed consistent throughout and then you also want to look for subtle things to make sure that it hasn't been used for any spam purposes so it's never been repurposed as a pbn or somebody didn't buy it all of a sudden put up the old content so it looks exactly the same but on the home page there's some outbound links to a gambling website for example or you just got to make sure that those little nuanced things are, are not there but yeah it all starts with way back and going through there that's like a big list of things people can look for. If any of those things, the, the issues have been done, is that like a definite no-go? Like, especially like, I actually asked this for a personal reason because I, I bought a domain that I thought was fresh on GoDaddy the other day and then I put it in Ahrefs after. And it had a bunch of links, like clearly someone had been backlink building on it. So let's say I look and it has also then got 20 links to gambling websites. I'm just no point. So yeah, everyone's got different levels or like thresholds of risk, essentially. But our threshold is really, really low, mainly because when you work with an age domain, there's so many factors that go into what makes a good age domain, it, but it's hard to know how much they're weighted. So does a good backlink profile outweigh a couple of bad links? here and there or does oh. some spammy anchor text does that ruin the whole project so our rule is basically if it's got one red flag even a small red flag then we just don't want to touch it because there's always going to be another one coming along soon and we don't want to you're going to invest a ton of time probably money in content and link building to build up the website there's no point starting on a foundation with even one red flag okay i guess that's like learned by experience if there's one red flag <laughs> it's probably yeah it's done yeah. Uh, quickly you said GoDaddy auction is the best place to go yeah. Is there any other places that people can go to look for these? And then what should they look for on those auctions? Yeah. There's a couple of tools out there. There's paid ones and there's free ones. We use a tool called Spamzilla. It's about $30 a month or something. And connect it up to your Ahrefs accounts. And then it pulls in all DR, UR, number of referring domains, pulls in all the data. And then from there, it allows you, to, it connects to all the different sources or places that sell domains. So you've got GoDaddy, you've got NameBio, you've got Namecheap. You've got tons of places that sell them. GoDaddy is the main one, but 
if you use a tool like Spanzilla, you can set up your filter. So I only want to look for sites with at least a thousand referring domains, and it's going to have a trust flow score of 10 or above, or whatever your criteria is. And then it'll filter all of the upcoming domains in the next seven days or 30 days. Mm-hmm. And to give you an idea, we filter essentially, our filters are pretty varied, are pretty wide. We look at a trust flow score of at least 10 and a, a DR, like a, a UH, uh, AHRS domain rated score of at least 15. And every week there's around two to 300,000 domains that match that criteria that are expiring right. in the week. And then from there, essentially, we do a, our first round of shortlisting. So we concentrate mainly on GoDaddy auctions. We won't look at the others. We'll open them up in Wayback and we'll have a look and we'll say, is this a niche that we are interested in being in? So we'll typically ignore anything finance, anything health, anything YMYL. And if it's not in that space, it gets added to our first shortlist. So that first shortlist will typically be, I don't know, 20 to 30 domains. And then once we've got that shortlist, we'll then go in and we'll do a deep due diligence check. And that will involve looking at the anchor text profile. So how are websites linking back to it? Does the anchor text contain anything dodgy? Does it have any Viagra or porn or Russian characters or Japanese characters? Like, does it look natural or does it look like it's be someone's actually done built links to it and the anchor text doesn't look natural? So you're looking for branded, brandable anchor text, branded anchor text, URL anchors in there, et cetera. Um, so we look at that. We will look at in Ahrefs, the best pages by link report to look at of all the referring domains that are pointing to it, where do they go? Are they all mostly to the homepage? Are they to individual pages? And in an ideal world, you want most of them to go to the homepage uh, because what you don't want to do is have tons of them go to individual pages and then you've got to somehow reclaim them. You can't just let them die. Okay. Um, and then we look at, we'll go back in time in, in Ahrefs as well then to look at what pages were on the website and what keywords are ranking. And again, we're just looking for anything that looks out of or out of the ordinary. So if it was a, a pet website, but somehow they were ranking for animated um, keywords, we think that doesn't seem quite right. It's almost just like a sense check. It's like a list of, does this look natural? Does this make sense because it was a, a pet website and go through them? And then one of the last checks that we make then is to do with trademarks. And this is a really important one. Most of the sites we build are in the US and there's a free trademark checker database in the US. And we do quite an extensive check to make sure there's no live trademarks because the last thing you want to do is build on a a solid foundation, invest a load of time and money. And then someone comes along and says, hey, I want my domain back because it's a trademark. So you want to make sure that there's nothing nefarious going on there too. That's interesting. I've seen someone in the past, that trademark point, yeah, I've I've seen a really successful website in the past, just they took their domain back from them. Yeah. It's a bit of a shame. Yeah. Yeah, it is because you put all that time and effort in and then, yeah. Yeah. I noticed there's a lot of chat GPT related domain names still available, like chat GPT for, for anything, for SEO, whatever. Do you think those are just, it's exactly that sort of thing. It's like they're probably at some point, if you have a successful site with a chat GPT in the name, like they might take it back. hundred percent. I think I'd stay away from anything like that. One of our big ethos is longevity. We build websites to last and mm. last Google updates where possible and just last because it's such a big investment up front. I don't see the point in taking any risk with a domain name. Uh, you've only got to look at, was it Jasper? They're one of the AI tools. They were called Jarvis beforehand. They got successful and then they had to change their name because I think Marvel or Disney said, hey, you can't use 
Jarvis Jarvis. because we've trademarked Jarvis. So that's why they changed to Jasper. How annoying. Yeah. Yeah. You should be able to trademark first names, I think, like common-ish ones. Yeah. When I've heard of it in the past, it's like domain acquisition, like let's say like next acquiring made.com and redirecting all their pages individually to, it's not like that kind of scale. It's like looking for sites with authority. Like you said, like even if they're like 20 and they've got like experience in that, you're redirecting, hopefully, just the homepage. It's not like a complete. Well, we're not redirecting them. So they're not the websites. So they're just the domains. So we only own the domain. We don't own any of the old website. We don't own any of the content that used to be on there. And essentially, we are we use them two ways. One is to actually build our websites on. So we'll build our website on an age domain. Or we will redirect them in then as you, and use it as a link building method. So it depends oh, on where you're going to use it. Okay, so you might be buying all these for like future projects that you might want to build new exactly. sites. Okay, interesting. This is actually something like I think we'll talk about in part two is like how to choose your niche. And I guess you have like a big list of like niches that you want to, and you're looking for n- n- domains in that area. Is that yeah, right? kind of. I mean, it, well, we'll we'll delve more into the niche selection later on. But I I think every niche these days pretty much is saturated. You've got to figure out the sub niches, and um, we've got an awesome database of how we can uncover sub niches. But essentially, when you're looking at age domains, you're not thinking of sub niches initially. We just bought an awesome travel age domain. It had been someone that literally travelled around the world and blogged about their traveling, and it had links from all kinds of travel related websites, CNN, New York Times, even had links from Forbes because they talked about collecting airline points, like an incredible background profile. But essentially, when we look at what we want to start with, we will then look at, okay, travel is a big space, a big niche. What's the sub-niches? Are we going to build a website that focuses on backpacking? And if so, are we going to focus and start with backpacking in Asia? And can we find examples of successful sites that talk about backpacking in Asia? And if so, then great. If not, then what about backpacking around Europe? Or what about interrailing around Europe? Or what are the sub-niches within travel that we can start with? Cool. I want to ask you more about that. But I know we're going <laughs> to... <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to write that down for like next our next episode. But I want to ask you, how small can a sub-niche go, really? Like, what are you looking for? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. for now or for the next episodes? For the next one. I'm just writing it down. But I think it's an interesting one. Like everyone's like, I want to have travel.com, but then I'll start with a sub niche within it. And then, you know, but then I, I saw a great SEO case study the other day that was like a guy focused only on bike locks um, and making quite a good amount of money every month just from that. So you do do some redirects. Why would you redirect one of these sites into your own? And how do you do that properly? Sure. So almost all of our projects will start with an age domain that we build a website on. So this travel website, for example, domain, we will build a travel website on there. So it's starting from a position of power. It's already got trust and authority with Google, and it's got an awesome backlink profile. But as part of our link building methodology, then for growing the website, once it's built, we will then look for related travel age domains to redirect in to power it up. So it's a really cost-efficient way of link building. Think of traditional link building methods, whether that's digital PR or you know even older school methods like guest posting or niche edits. Mm-hmm. You're buying one link at a time or you're buying a handful of links at a time. And it, well, it's really expensive if the links are good quality. Whereas an age domain, a typical age domain, think of a rule of thumb, the cost of an age domain is roughly 100 to $150 per domain rating. So a DR30 domain will cost you roughly between three and three and a half thousand dollars, essentially. Interesting. Now, if you think of a DR30 and what kind of backlink profile that would usually have, it would have several hundred referring domains. And of those, maybe 10 to 20% of them would be really high quality. So you might end up with 
40, 30, 40 really high quality ones. And I'm talking about the likes of CNN or Forbes or New York Times or National Geographic, sites which you couldn't even buy links from. If you work that out on a cost per link basis, it's way cheaper than if you were to go out and try to acquire them and it's easier. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the main reasons we do it. That's so smart. People are out here charging 500 a link or whatever. So if you can just buy a domain that has a bunch of them and get it cheap in your niche. um, Exactly. But there is a definite system or or methodology of how you would redirect it because there's the easy, lazy way, which I see people doing and then they say redirects don't work. And that is essentially where they'll just take the whole domain and they'll redirect it to the homepage of their website. And that's the wrong way of doing it. Everything we do with age domains, you've got to think of how do we make it look natural to Google. So when you talked earlier about Next acquiring another website and they redirect the domains in and they probably put out press releases because that's how we hear about it, we try and make that process. So we start with an acquisition page on our main website. And the acquisition page will say, hey, we've acquired this domain. If you were looking for that website, I'm sorry, it doesn't exist anymore, but welcome to our website. Let's tell you all about it. And then it'll typically be a couple of thousand word piece of content and an in-depth piece of content that talks loosely about what the old website used to be. So if it was a travel one about backpacking, we might talk about the history of backpacking and how it started. or Something quite loose where you could talk for quite a bit of time about it. Within that piece of content, then, we would include as many internal links, internal links through to our existing content on our main website that talk about backpacking. So we've got a backpacking domain that we're going to redirect in. We've got a relevant piece of content that is going to. So relevance is key. And then we've got internal links going through to all of our backpacking pieces of content that are on the website. And then this domain then powers up that whole category. We've got links that are talking about backpacking go into a page that talks about backpacking and the power is being distributed through the internal links through to your backpacking pieces of content and it really powers up that category. Just to get it really clear, yeah. what have you done with that old website that's got just one blog post on it now or not? Yes, you, you never own the old website. It's not a uh, website, it's just the domain. It's, okay, so you don't actually... What, you don't have the content or you've literally just got the domain name, that's it. No files, no logo, nothing, Just just the domain name. Okay. And then where is the article that you create announcing like this is moving? And That sits on your main website where you're going to, where that you want to power up essentially. Cool. Okay. And then you point it to that one blog and you talk about that and then you put loads of internal links from there. Exactly. Right. Right. Okay. That's, that's really clear. Yeah. So it's not like they hand over the keys to their WordPress or anything. It's just, you're literally taking the domain and you move on. Exactly. You've only got the domain. You don't own any, you've got no ownership over any of the old content. You can't go to Wayback and copy and paste it onto your website now. It's still the property of the old owner. All you have is the domain name. What about if they had loads of other pages and they had individual backlinks? Like, do you point them off? We do. So part of the planning for this acquisition is we'll make a list of all of the individual pages that used to exist on the website that had referring domains that we want to maintain, we want to keep. And then of those, we'll work out which ones we can redirect to existing content. So we've already got a piece of content that talks about that on our main website, and we can just redirect that single post to there. If we don't have anything that's related, we'll create new content on our main website that talks about the same topic. And then we'll redirect those individual posts back into there. So it's as one-to-one as possible. Yeah. What kind of evidence is it based on that like trust flows through links more perfectly than 
you know what I mean? Like more perfectly, if the content is the same, if the links are natural. I don't think there's any kind of evidence essentially where you can point to one is better than the other, but you'll hear me saying this all, whenever we talk about age domains is just relevancy is key. The stronger you can maintain relevance to the old website, what it used to be, the topic, the content, the better, because you've got to make this look natural to Google. In the most purest sense, what you want to happen is for Google to think, actually, it's the same owner as the old that owned the old mm-hmm. website. They've just moved the URL and they want, you want that trust to continue flowing through. So the more naturally you can make it look, the better. And as part of that process, once we've finished doing the redirects and set up those individual pages in the acquisition page, we'll then also push out a press release which says, hey, our main website has acquired the domain of this other domain. We're really excited. And again, just to make it look natural and like a real business is acquiring the assets of another business. I think it all like logically makes it's like so much sense. I like the PR thing as well. It makes it so like everything so natural and like, yeah. Do you have like, when you look at your sites, when this happens, do you see, also, do you have any like graphs that you can show me that like, yeah. where does it go up after? Do you see like the change? How quickly would you see it impact? And yeah, definitely. So I can definitely show you some graphs, but you'll, you'll see it. The first place you will see it is either in search console in the referring domain section. Or if you use a tool like Ahrefs, you can see the number of referring domains jump up. And the time it takes for that to happen, it's different for every domain because you've got to think Google's got to come and crawl the old domain and see, oh, there's a redirect in place and understand where it goes. It can be as quick as as, as a week or so, and it can take as, as long as a couple of months. But essentially, you help that process by pushing up the press release because then there's new links there pointing to the old domain goal follows them and and finds the redirects. Traffic that follows then is a little bit harder to pinpoint exactly because usually we will do this in conjunction with adding tons more content and running digital PR campaigns at the same time. So it's hard to pinpoint, oh, we redirected an age domain in four weeks later, we saw the number of referring domains go up and another three weeks we saw traffic. It's just all in one part of growth. Yeah, I think obviously you do this over and over again. So like, I feel like if you guys are doing this and it's like paying off, then other people should like listen. <laughs> it's hard to correlate everything exactly, but you guys like have all the, all the, the data models and everything that you're using. Like, I think it's... Yeah. You don't have to just limit it to redirecting in one age domain. You can do multiple. So we're working on a, a beast case study project right now. It's a, an internal project that we're doing at, at the agency. And we've currently redirected in five age domains into our project over the, the first six months of the lifespan of the site. So you can do this over and over, assuming that you just stick to high quality age domains and you don't compromise on quality just for the sake of volume. Cool. Yeah, that beast. I think I've seen your posts just about how much content is being created. It's crazy. Yes. Uh, cool. That's like everything I've got to ask, I think. Is there anything? Oh, yeah. You said about EAT and schema. Yes. One of the side benefits, essentially, of using an age domain is obviously it's got its trust and it's got authority from Google. Mm-hmm. Um, you can then leverage that in your new website to build uh, your own EAT, your own expert, like, experience, expertise, authority, and trust yeah. in the, the new EAT. And you can do this in a number of ways. So lots of these old domains would have had social media accounts attached to them. We literally bought one recently. Uh, you, again, you might have seen the LinkedIn post, but the lady that ran the website, she let the domain expire, but she also ran a YouTube channel that had almost 2 million subscribers yeah. and an Instagram account that had almost quarter of a million followers on Instagram. And while you can't access those accounts, in Google's eyes, they're still attached. They're still one of the same entity because they've got the same name. Mm-hmm. Even on the YouTube page channel and the Instagram page, they still have a backlink back to the site. The, the account names, usernames 
are the same as the domain name for the website. So when we create these websites, then typically we will look at what was the previous owner's name. So the previous owner might have been called Julia Smith. And then when we create a persona for our website, we won't call the persona Julia Smith, but we'll make sure her first name is Julia. So in Google's eyes, the author's name on this new website is the same as the author's name on the previous website. So you maintain that. Then in the schema markup, so it's not visible on the website, but using person and organizational schema on the about us and contact us page, you can also mark up any associated social media accounts. And that's where we can then link back to the existing sites. Even though we don't have access to them, they're not ours, we can still say this website is the same as this social media account, and this social media account, and this social media account. And it provides structured data to Google and they say, oh my God, this is awesome. It's it's all we yeah, well, it's a format we understand. It's not live on the website. So someone that, or, or front facing. So someone comes to the About Us page, they won't see that, but it's marked up for Google to understand that, yeah, there is a connection there. Interesting, yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I guess, uh, quite a rare case that they've abandoned everything including an Instagram and YouTube. That one was, I've ne or never seen, honestly, never seen such a big social media account abandoned. We see them, we see them often with tens of thousands, sometimes, you know, high tens of thousands of subscribers across social media. Never a YouTube account with 2 million. I put it into Social Blade to see how many views it was still getting because uh, she hasn't posted a video in two years and it still reckons it's getting up between 200 and 250,000 video views per month on the YouTube account. Oh, I wonder what happened. Well, we found out. So I did some digging and it turns out she's just really a really successful influencer. This is one of many properties that she runs. I found at least four other Instagram accounts. All have quarter of a million plus followers. She teaches how people how to do it. She runs courses on how to grow YouTube channels and Instagram accounts, social media. And I just honestly think she is one of so many. Successful. It's just like doesn't have time to do when it comes up for domain, the domain comes up for resale. Is it sometimes basically this person might have just forgotten to renew it? Sometimes yeah. that happens. And there have been instances in the past where they've reached back out and said, hey, forgot to renew my domain. And I'll <laughs> never forget, honestly, there was this was a couple of years back. I bought a fishing domain related domain for my own one of my own sites. And they reached out and said, Hey, we were going through a company transition. We'd acquired another company and we let the domain expire. Can we buy it back? I said, Yeah, no worries. Just I've already built the website on an added content. I said, just pay me for the content mm -hmm. I've added. Like so I'm not out of pocket and you can have it back. And they were like, no way. Okay, well can't have the domain back. Like simple as that then. Yeah. And um, the same. But we just, they just forgot about it then. And then they emailed a little back while later and they're like, oh yeah, we'll pay for it now. Uh, this is about six months later. I'm like, yeah, but I've already built out even more now. So unfortunately it's well, cost more now. So like, and then they, they had a massive stop again and said, oh, we're not going to pay for that. And that was the end of, I didn't hear from them since. So um, yeah. That must be super annoying, but lesson learned, I guess. Keep your, get your domains on like auto renew or something. Well, Google let one of their domains lapse going back last year, didn't they? It was, uh, it, was it wasn't one of the main ones. It was like a, a .com .in or something like that. Something weird. And somebody in the country registered for like 10 bucks. Did they buy off them? Or did they just cease and just sit like... I think they just got it back. <laughs> I think they put it back. Crazy. Oh, okay, cool. I mean, I think that's that's great. Thanks so much for, for sharing like everything about age domains. I think it doesn't even seem like super out of inaccessible. And like going in, I thought a bit more like it was a strategy that was going to be super expensive and someone can't really 
yeah, like you have to have a huge budget. But like if you're link building anyway, this seems like really legitimate, like replacement. Yeah, if you're interested in doing something like this, not to apply about services or anything, but we've got a list of domains on our website that we've already pre-vetted. And we can help you with the redirect if you wanted, if you've already got an existing site, you can go and see what domains we have and we can handle the whole creation of the acquisition page, the technical aspect of doing a 301 redirect, creating any new content, putting out the press release. Yeah. Or if you wanted to build on a website, then again, we've got a list of domains that we vetted and we'll do the whole strategy from start to finish. So we'll do the keyword research, we'll use our data set that we're going to talk about next, uh, decide where we're going to start. We'll write the content, we'll build the website and we'll basically do everything that we would do for one of our own websites for you, including setting up analytics, setting up search consoles, submitting sitemaps, doing the internal linking, essentially like an end-to-end service. What's your domain name for your website? It is Niche Website Builders, but by the time you are listening to this podcast, we would have probably rebranded to Make Lemonade. So just in case, I don't know which one it is. Okay. Lemonade or... <laughs> Where you've redirected it, do you think? Yes. Yeah. Just in case you listen and we say niche website builders and you land on Make Lemonade and you wonder what's going on here. That's a good name. I like that. Okay, cool. All right. Thank you. Let's move on to the next topic. Thank you so much for listening, everybody out there. If you like what you heard here, then don't forget this is part one of three. Next week, we'll be focusing on how to choose a profitable niche. Adam and his team have a really unique methodology for this that you must not miss. It's genuinely incredible and it reframed how I do keyword research forever. So smash that subscribe button right now. Make sure you don't miss it or join the newsletter list at How The Fuck website. If you have any questions on this strategy, head over to the website and unlock the guide. I'll also be available for clarifications and questions whenever you want. Thank you.